Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. I'm Dee Hogan, the managing editor at AnyFem. I also run the anime blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can find me on Twitter at Jose Next Door. I'm joined today by Caitlin and Miranda, if you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I am an editor and a writer for Anime Feminist, as well as having my own blog. Uh, I have a heroin problem, heroin with an E. Always have <laughs> to add that. And I am also have started contributing regularly to The Daily Dot, writing about anime there. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at allsoon underscore no dere. Hi, and then I'm Marina Sanchez, um, back on to be a guest, very excited. I'm a senior editor at IGN, and I kind of run a lot of our anime content. Um, I like to say I only run the good stuff, because some things happen without me knowing, and that's that's fine. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm very happy to be back and chatting about some good anime. Yeah, and today we are going to be talking about the Little Witch Academia uh, anime television series. Uh, it's a show that a lot of our readers have asked us to kind of talk about or give our opinions on. Um, but because it ran on Netflix and we didn't get it until it was all kind of dumped on us at once, the timing just never really worked out for us to have a, a podcast about it. Um, we weren't able to do them for our season check-ins or anything like that. Uh, thankfully, we, uh, Caitlin and I sort of independently and accidentally ended up finishing it at about the same time, and we thought, hey, let's do a podcast while it's fresh in our memories. And uh, I had been listening to the Kill the Kill podcast, um, which Miranda had joined us on, and was a very good sport about. Um, <laughs> one, of, one of your favorite shows, and uh, Rye was lukewarm on it, and Amelia did not care for it. Um, but at the, at the end of it, I, um, I heard you talking about how much you enjoyed Little Witch Academia, and I was like, we should thank Miranda for being <laughs> such a good sport, and bring her back to talk about a show that's uh, a little bit easier to discuss from a, from a feminist perspective, more, yes. more positives, I think, yes. in this one. Um, I like to call uh, Little Witch Academia, what if trigger, but without the bullshit. <laughs> and yep. that's dream, right? Accurate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 great. Um, I think most of this podcast will be will be us uh, speaking pretty pretty glowingly about it because I think all three of us are are pretty uh, pretty pleased with with the show itself. Um, which actually is a good segue um, for us to kind of just talk about our own personal history with this series. Uh, Miranda, uh, you're our guest. Would you like to go first? Yeah, for sure. So one of my friends who's from Australia visited and said, "Hey, Miranda, there's one anime you really need to watch. It's called Little Witch Academia." It's just an OVA right now, but you should watch it. And I said, okay. And then I waited two years and then watched it. And I was in love immediately. Uh, magical realism is like one of my favorite things. Um, so like the ancient Magus Bride is like just straight up my alley. And so then finding this mm -hmm. was just something like was so awesome. And then I heard about the sequel OVA. And then I watched the Netflix series when it came out. So it's very good. Great. And uh, Caitlin, you finished this one pretty recently like I did, correct? Yes. It, it's been on my radar for a really long time because I did have friends who watched it when the OAVs first came out and they drew fan art and talked about it a lot and I was like that sounds cool and then I never got around to watching it um, and then one day I was about to be on a fairly long flight, a cross country flight and I was like you know what would be really good to watch Little Witch Academia <laughs> um so I watched the OAVs then, and then one time my friend and I were decided we were going to watch um, all of the gay anime available streaming. Okay, friend, a noble goal. <laughs> my friend uh, chose Little Witch Academia because she's like, well, I don't know if it's 
actually gay, but I know that the shipping is very strong. <laughs> um, and we watched that for a while, got sidetracked, and then when I started writing for The Daily Dot, the editor was like, hey, like, would you like to write uh, sort of a beginner's guide to Little Witch Academia? Um, since you said that you've watched some of it. And I'm like, yes. So then I just kind of slammed the rest of the series um, around when Dee was watching it herself. Yeah, I um, so I saw the OVAs around about when they came out. I had a friend who told me about them, kind of like Miranda did, and uh, brought them over, and so we watched them together. And I, I enjoyed them. I thought they were fun, but it wasn't anything I got really excited about. Um, so when the TV series came out, I was looking forward to it, and then Netflix was like, well, we have it, so who knows when you'll ever get to watch it. Um, and it, it wound up on my queue, but again, we I got sidetracked with other new shows coming out and uh, wasn't able to get to it right away. I checked out the first few episodes a few months back, um, so like six months ago probably at this point, and so my memory on those is probably going to be a little bit fuzzy today. Um, I liked it, but it was very episodic, so it wasn't something that I felt like I had to keep coming back to quickly. Um, so I got distracted by a couple other things, and then finally had some time to go back to it again, and the second act is a lot more plot-focused, and I just binged it. I got completely caught up in the story and the characters and had a really good time with it uh, through to the end. So, um, yeah, just wrapped it up a few weeks ago at this point. So it's definitely far more fresh for both of you than for me, but... <laughs> It's a it's a memorable series, oh, I think, sure. that, especially in terms of the kind of the overarching ideas and the characters are very um, they stand out. So I think I, I think we'll be we'll be all right there. Yeah. Um, I did this a little bit backwards, but it just kind of worked out this way. Um, we should probably provide a little bit of an overview about uh, Little Witch Academia itself. Uh, Caitlin, did you want to go ahead and and tackle that? Sure. So yeah, this I mean this is a very very basic uh, sort of overview. So the first OAV of Little Witch Academia was a uh, start was made when Studio Trigger had just broken off of Studio Gynax, brand new studio, um, sort of made as a way to help train uh, some of the new animators that were coming in, um, and it totally blew up on uh, YouTube and Nico 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 Doga, the Japanese equivalent of YouTube. Um, people loved it, and so then they decided they were going to kickstart a second OAV. Um, the Kickstarter was a wild success. They actually managed to use the momentum from that Kickstarter to uh, double the length. Um, and that was it for a while. And then at, they had uh, Susie and Akko made cameo appearances in Space Patrol Luluco and at the end of Luluco they were like hey we're gonna make more Little Witch Academia everyone was like yay <laughs> and then the rest is history. Yeah such like a great way to kick that off too because uh, Space Patrol Luluco was like such a, a very much let's celebrate everything Trigger has done up until this point and mm -hmm. then finishing it off with something that people loved from Trigger that was so different from what we usually expect from Trigger especially. Um, it's mm -hmm. just like such a nice rewarding thing to find at the end there. And wow, like I was looking at the wiki for this too and it came out in like, or the original short came out in 2013. It's kind of crazy how long it's been. Uh, it has been a while, yeah. I don't like talking about the passage of time. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally so fair. scary. So yeah, and the... Um... Uh, the TV series, just kind of for folks at home who are wondering, we're not really going to be covering the OVAs. I don't think any of us have seen those in a very long time. And it's they been a hot minute. Are, <laughs> yeah. 
and they kind of exist in their own canon. Um, the characters, my memory of it is the characters are a little bit different, um, and it's not super clear on where they're placed within the TV series itself. Is that right. is that fair to say? Yeah, so, think? like, the TV, or the anime series, the full one, is more focused and kind of refreshes all these characters. Like, while they have a lot of the same traits as they did in the OVAs, um, for instance, Diana's a lot less antagonistic. Like, she's just mm-hmm. kind of doing her own thing in the TV series, where in the anime, she's, or the OVAs, she was more so, like, queen of the mean girls, and she, right. she was she was more the Malfoy to Akko's Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. So like and then in the full series she's still kind of the queen of two very not great ladies, but isn't perpetuating their behavior. They just kinda of do that without her like, I guess direction. Whereas mm-hmm. in the OVA she does that more of that. Right. So so there's like a lot of different things. Um and a lot of people ask, should I watch those first? I think yes, because it's just nice to have that extra context for this world and to see them in like their original forms mm-hmm. in a way. And because they're both available, and then watch the, That's true. Watch the full series. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, I would say it's not like necessary. It's not something like you need f- should feel the need to do, but it's not something you should avoid. It's just sort of like, why not? Yeah. They're cute. They exist. They're both very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but for the purposes of this... Uh, of this uh, retrospective, we will be focusing just on the TV series and kind of what went down in that, uh, just to let folks know. Um, Which kind of gets us into talking, just sort of overarching about the show itself. Um, One of the things that struck me about it, and so I kind of thought I would lead with this, is what genre would you call Little Witch Academia? Because we tend, a lot of the time we approach anime from the sense of, oh, it's a shonen, oh, it's a shoujo, oh, it's um, a sci-fi, it's this, it's that. Uh, where do you, what do you guys think of, what do you think Little Witch Academia is? How would you categorize it? Um, I would call it, in terms of like the shonen, shoujo, etc., a uh, demographic breakdown, I would call it, uh, and I know that this is uh, an oxymoron, shonen for girls. <laughs> I mean, not show, not for girls, but like targeted at girls. Yeah, is that kind of what you mean? Or, like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, obviously or, boys can enjoy it too, and, and mm-hmm. uh, people of what, of any genders, because it's it's a very nice show. But it is. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, you know, in term, but yeah, in terms of its structure, in terms of its uh, themes, in terms of. Um, it's sort of its character dynamics. It is very, very, very shonen. It has more in common with series like, I mean, Harry Potter is the obvious one, um, but more, but you know, also series like Naruto or like um, what are some? Well, other? I'd say the I'd say the structure is pretty close to um, I Hear Academia, especially with yeah, kind of the the outsider character mm-hmm. who's you know a little bit behind with mm-hmm. everybody else as far as their powers go. Um, yeah, absolutely. Working through it with determination and hard work, which are very mm-hmm. you know kind of shown in. Yeah, then having qualities. that mentor there to kind of guide them through their adventure. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, well, to to go back to that same comparison, Akko, personality wise bears a lot more resemblance to Naruto than pretty much any other character that I can think of um, personality-wise. Very brash, kind of overconfident, um, picking fights with the uh, top student when she's uh, nowhere near their ability level. Um, 
And just like incredibly determined. Just, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And just very determined. Um, the way that I put it in, uh, in my uh, Daily Dot article was her, the source of her power is stubbornness. <laughs> I think that's fair. Well, I think I think Little Witch Academia there is a large focus on um, self confidence, mm-hmm. and I think that's something you see in a lot of uh, in shoujo, like in stories targeted for girls. But it tends to be more about um, the character not really having any self confidence, and then sort of needing to build to that. Right. Whereas in Lich, Little, Little Little Witch, Akko just starts off like overflowing with maybe unearned self confidence <laughs> at times. Um, but but that is part of her. I mean, it it causes her some problems, but it's also part of her strength is that she is just so determined. And she, you know, she has moments where she doubts herself or gets discouraged, but she, you know, she still picks herself back up and kind of keeps keeps mm-hmm. running forward. Um, I I agree with you. I think it has a lot of shonen elements. I also kind of keep seeing it as sort of a magical girl series. Yeah. Because yeah. I think there's very much that focus on friendship and, uh, you know, emotions really driving a lot of the changes. Like the whole thing with the shiny rod and unlocking the powers is like you have to feel the words. You know, you can't just you can't just say them. So it's not just about like learning a new technique. It's also about it's discovering uh, a lesson. Because feelings. Yeah. Is, and evolving yeah. yourself as you discover and understand new things about the world and yourself yeah. and relationships. Yeah, and so one of the things I really enjoyed about it was the way it kind of blended uh, these two genres that a lot of the time we think of as being like, quote-unquote, four girls and four boys, and merging them together and kind of blurring the boundaries. And I like I like seeing shows where those demographic lines um, get, get played with a lot, and I think yeah. we're seeing that more and more, um, mm-hmm. where it's becoming... We're saying something is a shonen or a shoujo is mean, meaning less and less over the over the years. I think, um, and I think Little Witch is is very much a series that wants to challenge those supposed constraints. I guess I agree. And you know, it's interesting because I feel like most of the time, um, when you take when you have guys that are taking something a genre that is sort of traditionally aimed at um, aimed at girls. Um, and whether or not they're like, oh, we're gonna make this for grown men, or whether or not they're gonna like, they're like, we're gonna make this for boys. Like, they do t- tend to add like certain unsavory elements. Um, whether or not fan like, service, especially yeah, yeah. Fa- I mean, fan service. Like, whether like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be like an all-out torture porn gore fest, like Magical Girl site, or mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm not here for the uh, Madoka discourse, <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Like, it doesn't. That is you know, a that is a direction that a lot of male writers have taken mm-hmm. the magical girl genre, especially yes. in recent years. Right. Yeah, I totally agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Um. So like, I think it, it helps that this was written by a woman. So, like she did. Yeah. Oh, it, little which was a, a yeah. Good that definitely. Yeah. That 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 probably helps. Oh, um, it does for sure. And then on the but then there's also the sense of like in terms of the direction, the storyboarding. Like there's very mm-hmm. much a sense that. There's no there. They sure could have inserted some upskirt shots, and they never do. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. I kept. I watched the first. I watched the first few episodes because, again, this is Trigger. Um, they have a bit of a reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the first few episodes, sort of like this feels very family friendly, and just kind of always on guard, waiting for waiting for that shoe to drop, and it never did. And by the end of it, I was like, I could show this to my like, you know, eight year old cousin. Yeah. And that would be awesome. So, yeah. So. That's, and you would never feel like you would have to explain. Something something that just feels so rare in anime too just like having a show that you can default to like hey i have i always get um people asking me for recommendations and sometimes people will be like hey i have a 13 year old or a 10 year old and i really want to show them anime what should i have them watch i'm just like 
Uh, <laughs> and then now I finally have an easy answer. It's just like Little Witch Academia because it is so pure and just good-hearted and good-spirited too. Absolutely. Kind of going back a little bit to uh, what were you were saying, Caitlin, about the dark magical girl uh, shift recently. I, one of the things I really enjoy about the show is, and I don't know if this was intentional or if it's just kind of part of playing within this genre is that you sort of you sort of accidentally will touch on these things. I felt like the series in a way was commenting on that and rejecting it yes. with um, Croy's whole thing about like collecting negative energy oh, from people true. to fuel magic and save magic. And it was like that idea of, well, the only way to save this genre is to go dark. And the series completely rejects that and goes the other way and says, no, this genre is powered by, you know, hope and inspiration and believing in yourself and others and friendship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I point. never really thought of it in those terms, but um, that totally makes sense. Like the temptation to say there is power in suffering and sadness and and uh, just just going sad stuck with it. Yeah. Um yeah, and it's not like there's no struggles in Little that. Witch Academia. Like there are serious <laughs> moments, and you know there are there are some there are difficulties the characters have to go through, but it's always it's always followed up by that undercurrent of of you know hope and believing in yourself and trying hard. And I think that's really nice to see. Um, when we talk about like shows being accessible to younger audiences, it's always I think worrying to some people because I think that means the themes or the or the show itself will be diluted to match that mm -hmm. audience and i mm -hmm. think that's one of the strengths of the little Witch, Witch academia is that it isn't like that um much like steven universe where it's like willing to tackle like these bigger things and like and sadness and like why maybe using the power of negative energy is not a great thing or being failed by someone you really admire um and just like a lot more things too about just acceptance of yourself and your personality and learning to get like be closer to other people that may have rejected you previously like there's just so many really great themes in little Witch academia and so like i just want to like reiterate that even though we say this is accessible to younger audiences that doesn't mean it it kind of tones itself down in any way right yeah i think there's i think there are some uh some things that are targeted at kids that are very um simplistic and then there's also the I think the best family friendly or kid friendly however you want to word it media usually is a lot more sophisticated than than people give it credit for and I think Little Witch Academia mm -hmm. ac absolutely falls in that category yeah. where there's yeah, there's a lot here that in, that it, someone for, of any age can enjoy um, for different reasons and I really like that about it the I mean gosh there's a there's an entire undercurrent about class and privilege yeah. in the education <laughs> yep. system um, which I thought was really great because in high school, and this was a long time ago, so I'm sure the research has changed a bit. <laughs> um, but I did, I did a piece on the No Child Left Behind Act and how it was terrible, uh, partly because um, it, most of the, a lot of the tests are very catered to assuming an audience that is of a higher socioeconomic status, mm -hmm. and so right. like they just assume they assume knowledge that that you wouldn't necessarily have unless your family had money, basically. Um, and how that, you know, automatically gives certain kids a leg up on these questions that are supposed to be like fair and balanced or whatever. Um, and I, I liked that little witch kind of tackled that with Akko being uh, someone who hadn't come from a witch family and they were really, um, hostile towards her at first about that. And, you know, so she starts so much further behind everybody else just because she hasn't had the tools that everybody else has had up to that point. Right. Right. And everyone's like, oh, you're like everyone treats her like she's totally useless but it's just that like she just doesn't have the building blocks right well then you do kind of find out that she has sort of the magical equivalent of a learning disability uh, yeah. yeah 
but but then at the same time Diana had that had the same situation but because she did have those tools and that family who knew about magic she was able to yeah, massively um, work on those things before Akko was. Right, you know? like she's able, able to overcome it because of her resources where Akko never had that chance. Exactly. Yeah, and it's a little bit unclear. Like, they talk about how magic is sort of disappearing from the world, but it's a little bit unclear, I think, to me, about whether everyone has potential to do to do magic or whether it's something that's sort of inborn, like Harry Potter, or if, like... Um. No, yeah, I think I understand where you're going with this. It kind of seemed to me like that there are families that have stronger magic, maybe because that's what they've always been practicing and keeping it alive mm-hmm. and believing it in it. Whereas a lot of people, when they stop believing in magic and stop having that as a practice, then it fades faster. Right. Like, um, like a uh, Lotte's family, like her mom is the only there's the only magical family in town her mom's the only witch in town but they rely on her magic does just no one else in the town have the capacity for magic is that just she's the only person in the town who ever learned it and no one else is really interested in going down that path I think it could be a good mix of both like maybe people having untapped resources that they don't really know about and mm-hmm. um, also them just losing it over time I could see that as being a thing that if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. Right. So It does seem to be, um, this this might be a, a segue into an, another topic too. Um, it does seem to be uh, something that only women can do. We, I mean, we see these witch families mm. and presumably they sometimes have boy kids and um, they're not involved in the witch school at all. So right. again, I think it, which I think ties into the, the magical girl genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it gives the show kind of an interesting angle in terms of like the power of of femininity or being a woman not even necessarily femininity because the girls at the school aren't aren't all feminine like yeah. Amanda's very much kind of a tomboy character right. um, and I think there's there's definitely some fair criticism that could be made for the uh, complete lack of trans people in in a show that is kind of trying to talk about um, again like female empowerment and the and like the magic the magic within women mm-hmm. and that sense of especially the thing i really like about little witch is that you do have this all these teachers and these older witches who continue to have this magic because in magical girl shows a lot of the time after adolescence you lose that power right um right so i like that this is a show that says no you can you have that you know that that core uniqueness within you like your whole life and i thought that was i thought that was a nice touch um Especially when they are literally fighting the man at moments um, with the government, who are noticeably all dudes. Like everyone in that room at the end is all men. Yes. So I do think the show is. I do think the show is is trying to make um, some kind of low key uh, statements about uh, gender and like female empowerment. Which are, I mean, like, totally. Which again, is. I think all those conversations. I think all those conversations uh, can be sort of inherently problematic, or sort of inherently um, non-inclusive at times, and I think that that's a fair criticism of Little Witch. Yeah, I but, think you see that especially um, a lot with anime. Like it's it's changing, there, but it's, not. I mean, very fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, D, are you saying that they believe in magic in a young girl's heart? <laughs> yes, that is exactly <laughs> what I am saying, Caitlin. Thank you. But do you think the music can free them whenever it starts? <laughs> do you want to just get the whole song out of your system? No, here? that's all I know. Okay, <laughs> so we're done. <laughs> well, it was it was a lovely two lines. Thank you for that. Yeah, so let's get into some of the other themes of the show because obviously we have a lot written down, lots to talk about. 
Yeah. We do. Yeah. Um, Miranda, I know you wanted to talk about uh, kind of the traditional versus the new magic and the sort of old ways of thinking and then the newer ways. Yeah. Uh, did you want to kind of lead into that? So I think that's a kind of a good segue into us talking previously about the difference in magic and that you can kind of carry that with you no matter what age you are. Um, obviously, with Little Witch Academia, magic is kind of dying and there's a big worry about that. And there's one very talented witch who she is now an adult and she's like, hey, there is a way to fix this technology and it's like the whole idea of like embracing all of this but she goes like full in she's like technology mm-hmm. is the key to saving everything and mm-hmm. she's like really cool in that but the way she goes about it too is obviously in a way kind of like Akko of being the only one trying to do something where everyone else is pushing against her and mm-hmm. so like I kind of like that parallel there and like how it kind of deviates between them too of course because uh, Koshi's like a little antagonistic about it as well and I, I understand why because she's trying to like push this new innovative thing and everyone of course said no and then so she kind of goes off and does her own thing kind of like Chariot does when Chariot was like hey I think we can keep magic alive this other way which is like celebrating it and making mm-hmm. it a fun thing and they're like no you're embarrassing us and so both of them yeah. trying to find their own, own ways of finding that new thing um, whereas the school itself is very traditional and I think with these the younger generation of characters that are actually the stars are like kind of finding out how to do both and it's just such a great theme to see that struggle because obviously what um, Cro- I think it's like Croy Cro- 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 I don't know Croy Cro- Cro- is Cro- how they were saying okay. it I, I watched the dub uh, yeah. because I'm a filthy casual no. <laughs> see um, what did it say no I just I put it on and I was like, this just feels like a show that would be on a Saturday morning cartoon slot. So I'm going to watch it in English. <laughs> and it was a good dub. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, good. So yeah, Croy. Um, I couldn't remember. I had it written down somewhere and I, for- I forgot where. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So just having her fail with that and then understand what that failure was through this really awful mistake she made and then them eventually integrating that to be like a more healthy relationship was really interesting because it's kind of like I-, I look at how schools are now and how they use technology mm-hmm. it's like hey mm-hmm. even though we have like like autocorrect for everything now like it's so easy to make a mistake and have something fix it for you like it's still really important to teach spelling like you have to know how to right. spell your words because there's going to be a time when you don't have those tools and you still have to write everything by hand and you don't want to look like an idiot so right and um well like and you know i'm a, a toddler teacher and uh most of the schools I've worked at have been like you know no screens like you don't don't like put videos on for your kids but my friend uh used to work at the school that was like all like they had a smart board Mm -hmm. so they had like they had like two-year-olds sitting down for like trying to make two-year-olds sit down for 20 minutes to look at this smart board and like playing videos with them a lot a little bit of technology integration in the classroom isn't isn't bad um, especially with older kids. And I mean, a lot of these kids, like, they just, like, go home and they play on iPads all day. <laughs> yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. so school is honestly, like, a time to sort of get away from that for them. Um, but, like, you know, this other school is just, like, they actively don't want the teachers to lead the kids in, like, songs and activities that don't involve the smart board. Mm. Um, and it's, like, you know, technology can be a useful tool, but, like, it's not the end all be all of education like or the solution to like a dying medium right Mm -hmm. and like we're just kind of like don't throw out all the uh 
throw out all the uh, paper notebooks and give everyone laptops to type on because writing by hand is still like an important skill and spelling is still an important skill. Yeah, and the basic magic and as you see like with um, Croy's like tablets, they just like cast all the spells for them and like kind of make everything easier. And so Mm -hmm. I think them hitting on that point in the second half was really, really good. And interesting just because it is such a big struggle. Like even modern day, it's like how much social media is too much and like, where does it end? Like, why don't you guys think for yourselves anymore? And like, you guys aren't actually talking to each other. It's like, well, we are, we're more, we're talking to each other more than we ever have and all these different things. And I think in addition to all the other things they tackle, like this one's just a good, interesting point and in seeing mm-hmm. how, of course, the younger generation finds that balance. Yeah. And, and cause that also ties into, um, when I lived in Japan, um, like, when I did my semester abroad, like, 10 years ago, um, people were already talking then about how, like, the younger generation is losing their ability to remember and write kanji because they were all using electric dictionaries um, to, like, look up what the kanji was that they needed to write down. And they could still read it, but, like, they couldn't, like, generate it um, because they would just rely on the dictionaries to memorize it instead of... Uh, Instead of like just like sitting down, remembering the kanji, writing out drills, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, so just a cool theme that I liked a lot in mm-hmm. it as well. Well, and and kind of as you pointed out, um, Croy and Akko are both sort of trying to do new things. Um, you know, Akko is this kind of upstart who shows up out of nowhere and has these different ideas about what she wants magic to do that are inspired by shiny chariot and that's not how things are done and so i like the show isn't completely it's not like the show is completely anti-progress um it's it's very much like no you you do need to find new ways forward so that these so that these um these these traditions and these things that are important can continue to exist um but it's also very careful about but there is a right way to go about it and you know mm-hmm. exploiting people's negative emotions maybe not the right way there croy so i think croy's a really good antagonist because she's very sympathetic yeah like um, she's just trying to yeah. better themselves and like further it's like hey why are we ignoring this massive resource that the rest of the world has like maybe that's why magic is dying and i think her heart's in a good place mostly um but because she's kind of spurred by vengeance obviously it goes very wrong right yeah and they they kind of like at the end she realizes she's wrong and she kind of goes out to try to to try to take care of her mistakes and so i like that the show gave her that ending because when she showed up i was like she is the coolest character design i've ever seen yes <laughs> and then i was like oh god please don't be a bad guy and then she was a bad guy i was like damn it um so you i was glad that they, I was glad that they her, kept her she's got all those straps on her costume <laughs> yeah and that cool cape and the swoopy hair and I just, her hair is really so like her character good. design so she yeah. stands unique. on the little robot to fly instead of the flying <laughs> because she lost her ability yeah oh yeah. um but yeah and her her friendship with uh ursula was yeah it was just i i thought they handled that really well mm-hmm. um to kind of allow that that balance to exist there uh and this is a little bit of a uh branching off of what we were just talking about but um one kind of cool detail i noticed was um that a lot of different families seem to have their own magic traditions like you know lattes is about very much about like the magic within thing and like a sort of um uh animism yeah like mm-hmm. lattes is based on animism and uh, you know susie's all about <laughs> susie's all about the poison and the potions mm-hmm. um you know and like you know diana is english and presumably luna nova is in england 
uh, certainly seems to be the case. And, you know, Mm -hmm. she's like very much like she sort of excels in sort of all of the different all of the traditions that the school has because like she is um, that is her magical cultural background. Mm -hmm. So and yeah, so Akko comes in without any sort of magical traditions of her own and she just sort of has to like come up with her own way of doing things. Yeah. Well, and I mean it's it's inspired by Shiny Chariot. So she kind of has her own school, but it's not it's not anything that's been established over right. time. Right. It's like something she adopted and it's not what people want her to adopt either. <laughs> it's like that goofiness of like being an entertainer and sharing the joy of magic with everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um but kind of tying into what you were saying, uh Caitlin, I think the show does a pretty good job of giving you a lot of different kinds of um students at the academy with like different personalities and um, ways of doing things and it's it for the most part uh this is this might be the one place where i i criti- i give the show some criticism um for the most part i think it's it doesn't really like judge or mock them for having different ways of going about things um i mean you talked about lote and Susie, who are uh akko's closest friends and so obviously they they play a big role in the show but then like amanda gets that great episode where they infiltrate the boys school and she mm-hmm. kicks everyone's ass <laughs> um i really amanda's really good amanda's really fun i really liked the constance episode um <laughs> i think i i've definitely seen some folks online read constance as um both both a mute character or as a nonverbal autistic um and i can't speak to that personally so i mean folks in the comments please do let us know if if you if you relate to her in that, in that aspect, but I have seen people talk about that. Um, but I like that she's, she's, she is definitely a nonverbal character, however you want to read that. And the show does a really nice, positive job of, of not making her out to be like, you know, some kind of weirdo or why can't you just talk normal? Like they, the other students work with her, um, with that, you know, and Akko's very, very kind of overly friendly, I think in a way that kind of annoys (laughs) Constance at first, but, uh, then they come to kind of, appreciate each other's strengths and I, I like that a lot about them too well isn't that how Akko is with everyone she kind oh, of absolutely at first <laughs> yeah I think I think the two places that I wish Little Witch had done a better well I mentioned the the lack of trans characters obviously is is kind of is mm-hmm. a bummer um I think we have that really good what I think her name's Wag- Wagneri maybe um She's the she's the brown student who's like their announcer, and she oh. seems she's got that wild orange hair. Yeah, and she Mungari. seems so cool. Yeah, and we never really get anything with her other than that she's like she's sort of just like the school's announcer. Right. For, for, right. for it being said in England, it's a little disappointing that there's not a little bit more diversity in their students. Like there's a lot of background students that are yeah. diverse, but none that yes. actually have like good speaking parts aside from one guy. Right. Yeah, well, and I've noticed that I've no- one thing that it's it's very interesting about anime is they tend to be better about remembering to populate the crowd scenes with people of diverse um of diverse colors more so than american shows are a lot of the time um it's it's like they go well yeah this is set in america and there's lots of different people in america so of course the background will have lots of lots of uh you know black and brown folks in it as in addition to white people but at the same time i uh you don't necessarily see that many characters taking taking a starring role, which is unfortunate. Cause the same thing with, um, I've been reading The Promised Neverland, and uh, it also takes place in this yeah. kind of diverse population. And there's a lot of the little kids who are, who are um, uh, people of color, but the main cast is, is predominantly white. Um, so that's kind of uh, unfortunate. Um, well, I mean, and then the other thing is, sorry, what were you going to say? Susie is Filipino. She is? Yeah. So I did not know I'm that. I'm actually on the wiki... And it's interesting mm-hmm. seeing, like, what officially has been confirmed. So, like, Wangari is from Kenya. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm trying to see what else they have. She's really she's filthy. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is neat. Yeah, and that, that is one thing. One thing I always have to be kind of careful about that we that and we've rightfully been criticized for this is we'll talk about a lack of of uh, people of color and or characters of color in anime. And I mean, technically, every Japanese character is a character of color. Right. So and so a lot of the time when I say that I mean more, I mean more. Um, Outside of Japan or outside of um, right, especially when it's set in a location where there it allows itself to have a more diverse cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, most of the characters have like canon nationalities. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, uh, Akko is Japanese, of course. Yeah. Uh, Susie is Filipino. Lotte is Finnish. You can tell because there's Moomin references mm-hmm. in her episodes. Cute. Um, and then like you know, uh, I think other than what's her, what's her name, the announcer Wangari? character, Wangari. She's Kenyan, and then the rest are I think just you know various European countries. Yasminka is Russian. Yeah. Um. Cons- yeah. That's but yeah. So like most of them do have like canon ethnicities, and so I mean of the main three, like two of them are Asian. You know, I, I think that that was really cool because I remember people getting really excited that there was um, a Filipino main character. In this yeah, I show. had not realized that at all. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't caught that with her with her name. I think I just I think I heard Susie and just figured, oh, she's also from Europe. Yeah. Um, but that yeah, that's that's good to know. I had not realized that. Um, I still think that a show set in England could have more could have more um, black and brown folks, but um, I do I do I think agree. That, is, that is good, and I don't want I don't want to downplay the fact that there's a Filipino character in the main in the main trio for sure. I think that's great. Um, and then the other area that my, really I think my biggest my biggest kind of groan with Little Witch is Yasmina uh, because <sighs> yeah. yeah the show the characters don't mock her like they're all very like nice and she's part of the group, but at the same time she is solely defined by eating. Um, and she is the slightly chubby character, so uh, that's that's a, that's an ongoing issue with anime that I, I feel like we should at least we should at least mention because it's yep. not great every single time. She's like, that's, yep. what if you don't do that though? <laughs> like that'd be yes. cool. Can we not? Well, and because they do such a good job with all the other characters of giving them, um, you know, these very these you know multi layered personalities, and so her only thing being that she likes food is really is is more noticeable and obnoxious. I would say, but overall, they're they're good classmates, um, which is maybe a good place to move into some of the other students. Um, before we, I will probably spend a lot of time with Diana and Akko and uh, Shiny Chariot here at the end. Um, so before we get into that, I did kind of want to. We haven't mentioned Andrew at all, and I really <laughs> like Andrew, so I'm curious <laughs> as to how you guys feel about Andrew. Yeah, I like him a whole. He's fine. I like him a whole bunch. Like he's a good, yeah. uh, like skeptic that kind of warms up to him and is obviously working to also like defy his father because his father is garbage but you know (laughs) yeah I um I really liked him by the I loved I loved his arc in the story because I think he's a I think he ends up being a really good example of a good ally because again if the with the witches all being women um and then the folks in government all being men there's definitely uh, again an undercurrent of of gender commentary going on here and so andrew sort of starting off as kind of just a parrot to his father and then realizing and then you know through his interactions with akko and diana which thank god i mean i think there's some good ships in the series and we can definitely talk about that um, <laughs> but i'm really glad the show isn't a, doesn't really have a an actual like explicit romance because i think that andrew like 
being changed for love is is shitty and kind of cheap and so i mm-hmm. like that it's it's really just he is you know inspired by them and sees what they yeah. what they can do and is right and, yeah and, and appreciates and comes to respect them because of that um, and then my favorite thing is in that last episode when uh, the government, when when the man <laughs> is trying to like shoot down the shoot down the rocket and they're going to screw up everything. And uh, again, this is the dub, so the the subtitle script might be a little bit different. But he basically says like like no, what we need to do here is get out of their way and support them. And I was like, yes, Andrew, <laughs> you are a good ally. Well done. Um, so I really appreciated his his role in the story at the end and kind of the way it. Um, it it I think it did a really good job of showing like how boys can support mm-hmm. women and it doesn't have to be about like you know coming to their rescue it can just be like you know believing yeah. in them when they tell you yeah something. it's like also just being a and friend like obviously yeah. him and Akko had like a weird relationship to start with and like everyone's like oh my gosh Andrew's so handsome which he is but like them coming around <laughs> it's like hey you can have a friend that's like conventionally attractive and be friends yeah, <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> Um, I remember, like, before I watched the show, seeing the discussion online, everyone was really, actually really, really down on Andrew. Like, they were just kind of, they were just kind of calling him boring a lot of times. Um, I like him, though. I think it's it's because his arc is really important, too. Like, the first few times Mm -hmm. you see him, it's just like, okay, like, you're fine. And then as he grows and, like, goes on to support Akko and all the witches Mm -hmm. at Luna Nova, I think he becomes a lot more interesting that way. Right. As he yeah, and I mean, like, too. well, wait, that's the thing is he is boring because mm-hmm. he just does what he's told. Like that was his whole <laughs> life was like I just do what my father needs me to do because I have to take his place eventually. Mm-hmm. And like that was his whole point. Mm-hmm. And then growing out of that made him so much more interesting as he found his own self. Yeah, I agree. And I think a he's he's kind of boring because like he's not meant to sort of have the spotlight at any point. He's supposed to be a support character, but also like I think a lot of it is uh, sort of antagonism, like, oh, oh, he's a decent person. Like, you know, what, does he want a cookie? But I think <laughs> it's important to have narratives of people, like, who realize that they were wrong and that they were jerks. And, like, even if the person who, like, even, like, even if everyone's not, like, totally nice to him about it, like, he learns that, like, he was being crappy before um because that arc is really important um and i think that like it's important to have people who are supportive allies from the start in fiction but like seeing the personal growth like mapped out well and i think the show again i think if you're going to have a show that is you know kind of about um like women in in positions of power and being treated with respect which is uh i think a lot of kind of what little witches sort of um hinting at with the witches and uh, the ma- and again the government not seeing a purpose for them um, is you need to have the the conversation about the other side of that and the you know some of the toxic masculinity that Andrew's dealing with with his father kind of you know forcing all these expectations on mm-hmm. him and doing things exactly the same way dad did and going no that we can do it differently and we're going to right um, so yeah I think I think it's really good this because a lot of the time you get these um these stories about like all girls schools and it's like boys just don't exist in this world they are they mm-hmm. are nowhere um so i'm glad that little witch acknowledged that no there are there are men there are boys in this world and this is and this is a how they can have a place in this and make that um how feminism affects everyone positively yeah. because i think andrew's a lot happier by the end of the story you yeah know? i think also 
a lot of times with these all-girl schools or all-girl environments, um, sometimes you'll also see mm-hmm. just one man in charge leading everything, and that makes things awkward mm-hmm, as well. Yeah. And I think this does a good job of saying, like, well, obviously there, there's political differences here, and they are very important, and, like, showing the difference there and, like, why things weren't working well. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Yeah. We hate magic. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> it's old. <laughs> I don't know. Because women. Yeah, because women. Uh, yeah, so he's he's a good boy. I like yeah. him. I don't know. I I was I avoid fandom drama, so I I don't know if there's um like love triangle nonsense with him and 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 Diana Nako. Um, but we may as well talk about Diana now yeah. as a, as another character who who kind of functions as part of that as part of that uh, sort of um, personal growth. Yeah, the person, and then I was kind of thinking in, in terms of that kind of main triangle of the the kids who were sort of trying to move society forward. I think it's I think it's uh, Andrew, Akko, and Diana, yes. um, and the way they kind of team up and join together in different ways at the end, and the the conclusions they come to are all really important. Um, I really love that the anime sort of sub- subverts that concept of Diana as the kind of bitchy, shallow, mm-hmm. stuck-up rival. Like she never. Akko perceives her that way early on, but it's Diana's really never like snubbing her nose at Akko. It's more that she's annoyed at the way Akko is. She feels like Akko isn't taking things seriously. Yeah, and right. I think with as much focus as Diana has, and like her responsibility to her house is such a big thing. Mm-hmm. And to see someone mm-hmm. like Akko come in, like just like oh magic, yeah, I'm gonna learn it, I'm gonna be great. And then she's like, why, why are you like this? Like kind of like disrespectful almost too. And, <laughs> and I understand that, and like her perspective of that. Diana also had to work so hard to get back to where she mm-hmm. was. And so I could see her being a little offended by Akko's behavior at the beginning. Right. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's nice because the show doesn't feel the need to just sort of throw Diana in as an antagonist just sort of whenever. Like, there we go whole episodes without seeing her because, like, you know, it could easily have been like, oh, Akko wants to do a thing, but... Uh, that thing is not what how she's supposed to do it, and Diana comes in and is also like, hur, 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 "This is how we do it," and then everyone fawns over her. Um, but like they managed to like they didn't make that part just part of the formula for the episodes, mm-hmm. um, which is good. And it's also because you know, I th- one of the things I like about their dynamic early on is that while Akko has decided that Diana is her rival. Diana honestly does not like think too much about Akko it seems like yeah I think that's I think that's very true it's not really revealed until the end like that she was concerned for Akko because they came from such similar places of like lacking something with magic but also like you said tries not to concern herself too much too because she has her own stuff to do like Akko like annoys her sometimes but like most of the time Diana is just doing her own thing while Akko's getting into these um misadventures and I think that's that's interesting because, like, yeah, the end is revealed that, like, yeah, she was she was concerned about Akko, but um, when she says, like, I never thought of you as my rival, never thought of you as my rival, like, it's supposed to be like, oh, she just doesn't think of her, and you know, we turn it turns out that's not the case, but like, either way, like, if she's not thinking about of Akko as her rival, then she's not going to like come along and insinuate herself every time 
that Akko is getting up to something. Yeah, Diana's Diana has her own concerns. She's not by any any stretch obsessed with Akko. Um, but then watching their relationship develop develop in the second half of the series was so great. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very they're very good together. And again, I like I like that Little Witch Academia is not a show that that really has any explicit romances because I think those stories of mutual respect and inspiration between um, that kind of central central trio of people who are going to be pushing this world forward. Um, I think those, I think that hits harder if it's not just about like, you know, impressing the person you like. Um, but at the same time, they are a very good ship and I totally get why people are, are behind oh, them. There's definitely. like definitely hints there too, that there could be romance between them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I I'm not, yeah. not to say that like people, I, I can, I can definitely see it, but I like that. I think it is important that in a show about, again, about inspiring and inspiring change yeah. in others. Um, that you downplay that. Well, it's because I'm in love yeah, with the aspect because I think that kind of cheapens so, like it. really refreshing not to have a focus on romance like at all. Like you're mm-hmm. just completely absent of it. Like mm-hmm. there's like maybe flirting and some like ideas of it, but it never becomes a focal point. It's not about that. It's about these characters learning to grow and better their world. Yeah, and these two very different, um, two very different, but also very similar people because Diana was also inspired by Chi- Shiny Chariot. You learn and then kind of had that sort of tamped down over over time. Um, and so the two of them, you know, finding these these areas of common ground and then also using their their differences to to team up and save the day at the end. Um, the finale with the two of them. Oh, God, that so was such sweet. a good. Oh, so good. Like sobbing. It's, it's, <laughs> so, so beautiful. beautiful. You and I. <laughs> yeah, that was such a yeah, it's a very good emotional climax. Um, and that kind of brings us to the conclusion. We are we are coming up on the hour here. Um, we wow, haven't talked a ton by. about Ursula and her relationship with Akko. Um, otherwise, I think we've covered a lot of the main points. Um, was there anything else you guys wanted to wanted to talk about here at the end? I mean, I've, I'd be happy to talk about Ursula. I like Ursula a lot. Yeah, we should. Then we should. Let's get into her and her relationship with Akko and that kind of hero role that shifts into a more um, grounded mentorship mm-hmm. um, role, which I, I really like that, that idea of like an idol is someone you can sort of pursue from a distance, but a mentor is someone who can actually, you know, teach you and help you learn um, the specific things you need to know to, yeah. to, to achieve right. those goals. So, and something you mentioned earlier, Miranda, was the idea of um, your heroes will let you down. Yes. Oh man, yeah. it's it's such a sweet relationship, but it's also so sad that when you find out like why Akko has such a hard time learning, and and it's sad, it sucks because you know it's not it wasn't intentional, right? It was like kind of a right. thing that um, Ursula, when she was Chariot, was kind of like conned into almost, and so to not speak so vaguely about it, like because Akko lost part of her powers because of Shiny Chariot's like grand performance, which actually stole the magic from the children that were watching the show and I mean she had no idea and then kind of seeing her go undercover and just kind of go back to being Ursula as opposed to being Chariot and mentoring these students and trying to find any way to give back is like such a noble thing Um, and it's kind of sad because you see her pushing so hard because she feels so guilty about it but it's like kind of great to see her also learn how to overcome that guilt and be better and be better for the students that she failed yeah no i mean like as a like as a teacher myself i love ursula Mm -hmm. i think she is i mean just on a personal level um i love that she (laughs) she is a teacher but she is and a mentor but she is also a hot mess yeah um yeah (laughs) i and i think she sees a lot of 
I mean, not she, it's not just like the guilt she feels over Akko losing part of her powers uh, because of her, but also like she sees a lot of herself in Akko. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of parallels between the characters. Like Ursula is, you know, very sweet. Um, and she really, really, really wants to do right by her students, but she's kind of a mess of a teacher. She's not a bad teacher, but she's just like kind of struggling to stay on top of things a lot of the yeah. time, and which I this relate her, to. I mean, it's her, and it's her first yeah. year, so mm-hmm. she's definitely she's definitely getting her feet. Um, I think by the end, she's I think as as the series progresses, she becomes a, a better and better kind of mentor figure for right. Akko, which I really liked at the end when Akko kind of confronts her about the stuff with Shiny Chariot and is like, you know what? I want you to keep being my teacher. I like yeah. you. I like what you've done mm-hmm. for me. Um, you don't need to be like this, you know, untouchable idol figure anymore. Um, we can keep working together um, in this kind of more real relationship. So one thing I really about that mm-hmm. too is that they train that hey when you have an idol or like you really admire somebody like your hero they're flawed and it's really important to recognize and Mm -hmm. understand that those people are flawed too and that you can't Mm -hmm. hold yourself up to like what imaginary ideals you've set for them and it's also unfair to them to believe that they aren't Mm -hmm. like not aren't without flaws as well and so right and and once you once you learn those flaws and you learn that who they are as human it's not you can it like you can be disappointed but at the same time it doesn't have to like ruin your relationship it changes your relationship yeah mm-hmm. um but like she uh akko idolized chariot and she learns that like ursula takes an interest in her because she knows this and but i don't know if akko really saw ursula at the same level as like a mentor as ursula wanted to mm-hmm. um and then like once akko learns like the whole truth about Ursula and Chariot and the magic show, you know, there's this period of anger, but then like she can sort of put things together into the whole picture of like, this is her idol, but this is also her teacher. And this, you know, she hurt her, but she also helped her. She also inspired her. And it's a more complete vision of her as a person, but it doesn't ruin her respect for her. It just makes it so that they can relate better on a more human level. Um, which I really love about like their relationship. Yeah, I think that was very well put. I also like that it's very obvious who Ursula is. Like the show doesn't yeah. turn around oh, gosh, it. They're like, yeah, yeah, and then they use that to their advantage in certain narrative beats mm-hmm. too, which I like. Oh, the dramatic dramatic irony. <laughs> it's like, oh, um, Akko, we know who it is. No, we know where she is. <laughs> She's right pretty. Yeah, That's no. <laughs> I just, I just really, I really love Ursula. Like. Because, like, teaching is fucking hard, man. And my <laughs> yeah. first my first year as a lead teacher was not a complete disaster, but pretty close. So, mm-hmm. like, there was a lot of very relatable <laughs> teacher feelings going on for me there. So, yeah, she she's really just really great. Um, I want to make a cosplay of her. Yeah. But <laughs> she's, yeah, she's very good. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I have nothing else to <laughs> yeah. add. I, well, I, think, uh, I think you hit all the points yeah, there. We're kind of wrapping it up here. I don't know. I just, yeah, I think we, Little Witch Academia has a solid cast of characters, and they all have very interesting lessons to learn throughout the show. And especially with the first half, it gets so much about the main trio, and then the second starts expanding more and more into the other um, students, and obviously kind mm-hmm. of has a core antagonist in like a really good way. And it's just nice to see how it evolves. Yeah, although it's just not. 
I would like more Lotte and Susie in the second yeah. half. They kind of got left by the wayside, which was a bummer. Yeah. Gosh, like their their standalone episodes are so good. Like Lotte and and talking mm-hmm. about internet trolls. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh God, everything with the Nightfall series. That was the moment I knew I I, I the show was. Yeah. Kid. I was like, okay, this is wonderful. Uh, that whole it's episode like, was great. Yeah. So. Or, don't be ashamed for your I'm... young adult literature. It's so good. And I was actually really touched by Susie's episode where it's like she's re- sort of rejecting these like this is who I could be but this is not who I am like mm-hmm. what if I what if I wore mascara gone nope not who I am um and just like sort of the the infinite possibilities like within teenage girls and like I mean and I, all teenagers in general but you know teenage girls and sort of like necessity and but also like the kind of sadness of having to sort of prune who you are so that like you are a coherent person and you're not trying to do too much and be too many people but you know there are you are rejecting also rejecting sincere desires that you have um because i can definitely see my teenage self in a lot of that and she wants to read the nightfall books but she also does not want to be seen with them so (laughs) (laughs) the eternal struggle (laughs) okay uh yeah. Any any other final thoughts here? I, again, we are we are at the hour now, so um, I think this is one of those shows where we could probably like go through every one of the episodic episodes and talk about uh, some story beat or character moment that that resonated or, or meant you know something awesome. Um, it's a really good show. I think again, it's I love how mm-hmm. family friendly it is. I love. Uh, that undercurrent of optimism and hope. I love that there's, I, I don't really feel like there's any caveats other than again, um, I think, I think Yasmina is a bit of a, uh, a wince, um, but otherwise it's just, it's just a nice show about, about mm-hmm. nice kids. And I, I love the way it, it kind of all comes mm-hmm. together. Yeah. You know, like I, I think your descriptor of trigger without the bullshit is really accurate because, um, you know, I love the, the energy that Trigger has, but most of the time, like, it's really hard to, like, sort of get past, like, a lot of the fan service and Imaishi's forced transformation thing, because uh, <laughs> that's definitely something that he is into, I feel like, and it's kind of grody. Um, <laughs> but, like, um, you know, having that, all j- just that energy and that passion um and that flair and that style like all of it and then just like not having to deal with just tits in your face all the time (laughs) um it's just like it it really is just something special it's really i hope i hope trigger makes more series like this because i feel like some of the series where trigger was like okay we're gonna do something different kind of failed i think anime fandom has collectively, rightfully forgotten that uh, when supernatural battles become commonplace existed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's some... Or, like, that it was a trigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of one of the few things that they've done when it was, like, an adapted work, right? Because they, they try to do their own original stuff. So I, so. I really do hope mm-hmm. that they give um, Yo Yoshinari a chance to direct something again and kind of lead another project. Yeah. But I think they probably will. Like, obviously, with the success mm-hmm. of Little Witch Academia, like, there's... I don't think that they would want to yeah. shy away from that. Um, But, yeah, like, sort of... I think when they've tried to branch out and do something different, it's sort of lost, like, what makes Trigger Trigger, but this brings, like, that 
that trigger style what everyone loves about trigger and none of the stuff that people hate about trigger <laughs> and i think they should they should embrace it they should do more of it and they can be horny sometimes but not all the time horniness is a sometimes food <laughs> well and um and one thing i will i will say in trigger's defense is uh, i don't know if you ever watched space patrol luluco caitlin i did um, i love space patrol luluco i enjoyed that one because i thought i thought that was one time when trigger did a pretty good job of um, cuz so much of their so much of their horny stuff is just so one-sided um, that it gets very exhausting and feels like they're playing into a lot of gendered stereotypes. So mm-hmm. I liked um, I liked that Luluco was this really thirsty kid <laughs> who had this crush on this guy who was very very boring. Um, it was <laughs> nothing going on really, but it was I, I thought that was a fun show and it, it had a little bit of the the trigger bullshit in it. But it was another one where I went, I you guys can be s- in very inclusive and fun and inventive, and I just do more of that. Yes, so. yeah. That the Luluko thing just had like the trans force transformation where I like mm, Imaishi, you're enjoying this a little too much, uh, aren't you? Making this forcing this uh, teenage girl to turn into a gun when she doesn't want to. I saw some. I did see some um, some women on women and girls on Twitter talk about how that really resonated with them though in terms of like the awkwardness of puberty and having things like change or like suddenly getting your period in class and yeah. things like that. So I know yeah. there were and while while I do I totally see where you're coming from, Caitlin, I I do think that there were elements of that that also resonated um oh, in, in that particular mm-hmm. context. So uh, again, it was another. Just if there are folks out there who like Little Witch, and there, uh, I would not show Spectralulico to your eight-year-olds, which I would show Little Witch to your eight-year-olds. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's but it is more kind of in line with um, with that trigger style, with um, a little bit more. Um, what's the word? I don't know. A little less bullshit, I guess. I guess I'll just keep coming back to without the bullshit. So. <laughs> okay. Um, if you guys are. Uh, happy with that go watch little witch academia i guess is where we're where we're all sort of uh i kind of hope if you if you've already watched it because we did get on some spoilery things but if you have it it's true it's still worth watching if you somehow got through this whole thing yeah um show it to your show it to your friends and family Mm -hmm. it's a good show this is definitely Um, a show that like is really easy to enjoy even with spoilers yeah i had so many spoilers because it was out in japan obviously before netflix so (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. so infuriating but story for another day but it is it's a good one for sure um okay yeah i guess i'll go ahead and wrap us up then uh since we are all finished up getting our getting our good our good witch feelings out of the way we hope you enjoyed this episode of chatty af uh if you like what you heard you can find more of our work at www.animefeminist.com you can also follow us on twitter at animefeminist on facebook at animefem and on tumblr at animefeminist and if you want to help us produce more of these uh, Neato podcasts and the articles that we uh, publish on our website, you can uh, help us out by going to www.patreon.com backslash anime feminist and becoming a patron for as little as $1 a month. Um, we really do push those small donations. They uh, really do go a long way altogether to help us uh, create more, to do uh, more with the site. Uh, we have lots of projects we really want to work on, um, and we do need the the funding for them because it is a big part of our uh, goal is to make sure that everyone is paid fairly for their work. So uh, again, that's anime, That's www.patreon.com backslash animefeminist, and we'd uh, really, really appreciate that. Okay, thanks again for listening. Uh, go forth and... Make some magic happen. It's friendship. The source of your magic is a believing heart. Oh, yeah. 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 Be- believing. Be- what is it? Believing in yourself is your. Believing in yourself is your own magic. Twinkle. <laughs>